Yo, what's happening, guys? Thought I'd get into a solo, do a mid-season update, and we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors before we get started. I want to thank Juniper Mountain Coffee. I'm so impressed with the roast from Juniper Mountain Coffee. Uh, I tried these roast, and um, I just think they're a level above uh, any coffee that I've ever had. They source their coffee themselves, so not through a coffee broker, which they uh, find the most premium beans to... um, put in their roast. I'm, I'm really impressed by it. I'm really liking it. Uh, they will be coming out with some instant, but for now I was able to order some coffee bags or some tea bags, uh, through Amazon and then fill them up with these good roasts and have fresh coffee on the mountain. So, uh, really impressed by these guys and really like their support of outdoorsmen, their support of my podcast. I uh, really appreciate that. So, um, really liking the, the coffee over there at Juniper mountain. Make sure to check those guys out. I also want to thank Silencer Central. So Silencer Central makes silencers for your rifle. So these silencers, you have to go through a process of getting approved. They'll help you with the paperwork, help you every step of the way. And these silencers like the the Banish Backcountry, uh, they just silence the, the rifle so you could get a follow-up shot. They also help so you're not going to lose your hearing so you can continue to hear bugles, which I really appreciate that. Uh, also, it reduces the recoil, which makes for a more accurate rifle. Uh, so make sure to check out what these guys are producing. And again, if you get a hold of them, they'll help you with the entire process, which I'm going through now uh, to get a silencer put on one of my rifles. So thanks to Silencer Central for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank Zamberlin Boots. I'm so impressed by these Zamberlin Boots. Um, again, I like the shoes. Like I feel like a pound on the foot is like 10 on the back, and the lighter I can get these shoes, the better I do. And I also I use shoes for construction. Uh, don't tell OSHA. But I, I love tennis shoes as I think they're safer, as I'm more agile. They grip to roofs. Uh, I, I'm able to just find my footing better. I trail run with shoes and then I also hunt with shoes. Now their shoes are built, uh, burlier. So they hold up for multiple seasons. They have a Vibram sole. Uh, they, they have a, like a, a bit more stiffness to them. They're just made for hiking the mountains. And I actually just did, uh, we'll get into it on the podcast, but I just did 57 miles in the last four and a half days. So uh, definitely testing these things out and putting a bunch of vertical feet, and they just hold up really good to it. They're also waterproof, so your feet don't get wet, which keeps them warmer and keeps them dry, keeps the dust out of your shoes. And they've also they've got a bunch of different models. Like We all have personal preferences. They just have great boots all the way around. So if you're not a shoe guy, if you're a low-cut boot, or a mid-cut boot, they've got those two. Uh, best waterproof capabilities I've ever come across. Again, I like the Salus. I like the Free Blast. Those are some of my favorite. They also have those in a low-cut boot. So check them out over at Zamberlin. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that carries all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. Uh, and their own name brand is really good, high-quality stuff. Uh, that you can find for a mid-range price. So make sure to check these guys out and everything they offer over at Black Ovis. And then also Camo Fire. Uh, I want to thank Camo Fire for their support of the podcast. You can pick up some screaming deals on overstock gear items, uh, just any items that you're after. They have 80 new deals that come up every 24 hours. All you have to do is download the app and you can pick up those deals. And uh, make sure to check out everything we're doing over at Eastman's, the Beyond the Grids, the videos, 
Uh, there's videos of Dan Picard, videos of me, and uh, other staff members that are coming out this season. Uh, so some great vids on there, and I'm really proud of how those came out. Uh, check out uh, my other podcast I'm doing with Dan Bacar, uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, where we can dive deeper into the bow hunting. And we just have a great chemistry between me and Dan where a lot of great information comes out. Uh, so we're doing that bi-weekly. You've got to follow it on a different feed on Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Uh, also, the Mule Deer course, there's a promo for it. Uh, guys, we're like, it's uh, with the promo code, you save $10. It's $90. You're getting Black Ovis game bags, an outdoor edge knife, and now you're getting a MagView um, uh, Digiscope. Like, all the value of just the items you get are worth way more than the Mule Deer course, and the Mule Deer course is going to cut your learning curve by years. Uh, so make sure to check it out. It's absolutely everything I know about traveling and hunting Mule Deer. Also, check out Tag Hub as we get into application season. Uh, we've revamped our Tag Hub with a bunch of great information, mapping system. Uh, we call it our Tag Hub 2.0. So make sure you get that before tag season as well, as there's a bunch of good information on that to learn all these different opportunities across the states. And with that, let's get into the podcast. So, uh, mid season update, uh, we're sitting at September 18th right now. So, uh, been able to have this amazing season with some wild adventures. Um, I have taken some L's this season. So, you know, I want to talk about that and, um, you know, use it as a bit of a therapy session or at least like, uh, uh, just be honest because I think this is the reality is that bow hunting is so extremely difficult. And, let me just reiterate that I truly believe that you can work on your skill sets and dedicate to your craft and show up at these trailheads and be undeniable. You know, there are different conditions that you run into year after year, but I think the better you work on your hunting skill, the more prepared you are, the better chance at success you have. And so with that being said, like, um, you know, I was able to do that, that goat hunt. We did that podcast there. Um, so it was just this wild adventure and, you know, I'm trying not to base my enjoyment on my success. Like, uh, uh, ultimately as I get older, I want these wild adventures in wild places and whether I'm successful or not, like just to see this wild country, to push myself physically and mentally in the mountains, to, to be able to strategize and try to get close. And you guys know that I absolutely love action and my hunts have been absolutely action packed. But I've just came up short here. And the, the only thing I know to do when I come up short is to keep grinding, just keep finding days, keep finding time. It's a long season and I've got a bunch of opportunities in front of me. And not that I haven't had success this season. Like I hunted throughout the spring and was able to, you know, go to Australia and harvest a red deer and a sandbar, go to uh, Hawaii and take a couple axis bucks and a, a mouflon sheep in a short amount of time in a tough year you know, which is a really nice ram. Um, I was able to get an antelope over here, but, you know, mule deer and elk are my bread and butter and what I really pride myself on doing and really the funnest thing that I enjoy hunting. Like I, I just love hunting mule deer and elk because I think it's the coolest thing out there. I love the adventures in the lower 48 where I can have my truck and all my gear and uh, be on the road. And, and man, I've just been pushing it. I have been going as hard as I can go, pushing myself physically and mentally. Like, I don't have joint pain or anything. Like, I'm really fortunate at my age that I've taken really good care of myself, good nutrition. I run all the time. None, my joints don't hurt. Like, uh, my knees ache today. Like, I just got done, I think I told you on the Zamberlin read, but 
I just got done 57 miles in four and a half days and and not to mention over 15,000 vertical gain and loss chasing elk. Like I am pushing the envelope so hard. I'm doing absolutely everything I can do. So let me start at the beginning here. So, you know, I just want to go through this because I think it's like really relatable. And I think this is the you know, reality uh, of Western bow hunting, that it is so difficult and that you need to catch a break to get an arrow in an animal. And um, if anything, the timing is off or the spot is off or anything like that, man, it just come up short. And, you know, I, I mentioned in a solo like a few episodes back that my biggest challenge this year is my workload as I've lost my carpenters and not only am I running the business and I've always done a lot of the carpentry work, but now I'm having to do all the carpentry work. Uh, you know, we've only got two projects going, but it's just my dad and I, and, uh, my dad's half retired. And then also I have, um, I have one helper. So I'm pretty much having to do all the work myself and trying to manage everything. And I knew that was my biggest struggle and challenge this year. But that being said, I've got a bunch of days hunting. Like I have nothing to complain about. So we started off with that goat hunt throughout the year. Uh, talked about that with Adam on there. Not sure if you guys listen to that podcast. Uh, set out to kill a great big Billy up there. I made a mistake. I arrowed a nanny. Didn't let it ruin the experience. It was a wild adventure up there. I had a great time. And it was like... 10 days of chasing goats above tree line and I chased some amazing billies and I I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was amazing. But I did that hunt. I left August 13th and came back August 23rd, had to work a bit. And to be honest, it burned some of my time that I had for mule deer hunting and for elk. And so when I came back, I had drawn two pretty good mule deer tags, or decent mule deer tags anyways. Um, I mean, zero point unit is what I what I drew. But I went to um, one state and hunted it. We tried to film it. And any time I'm trying to film it, like I'm trying to build a film, but I'm also like just having this wild adventure, trying to enjoy myself. And I stated like, like years ago, it like I want to set my sights high. Like I want to set my goals high. And so... You know, I did pass some bucks here that I could have shot. I could have made a film, but I'm really looking for something that makes me happy and a mature big animal. Like I'm not just going to kill an animal to to build a film. So when I went to Nevada, um, I, I went there to hunt and in the unit, you know, I didn't turn up any giants in there, but I just turned up some good, decent, mature mule deer that I'd be happy with. Um, you know, and I never like to put blame on a, on, on a cameraman or like when we team up, it's a team and we're trying to create a film, but, uh, don't kid yourself. Like it's extremely difficult to sneak two people in range of a wary mature mule deer. Like it's tough enough with one person in bow range. So, uh, you know, it actually worked out pretty well as far as timing on this hunt as, um, when I went there, like everybody was gone. I had the mountains all to myself. Now the animals were chased around a bit. And, and what ended up happening is, is I backpacked into this country and these, um, uh, these mule deer were really grouped up or I found this big group of mule deer that was like 25 bucks together, you know, give or take on a certain day. And, uh, I was trying to kill, there was a couple different shooters in there that I'd shoot. And, and man, it's like, 
I got such a wild adventure. I had to pack all my water to the top. Cameraman, too. He did a great job. He had such a good attitude and went so hard. Had to ration his water. Like, I really took him. This was our first hunt together, and I really took him to a place where you had to be dialed and pro. And uh, he had toughness and grit and always willing to go. Everything I was willing to do, like these stocks, you have to move so slow and uh, crouch down so slow, like so low. And, um, you know, it, it really takes this commitment of both guys to be able to make it happen. So, um, went on this hunt, like the challenges were this big group of bucks trying to get in on also the loose terrain and then just my time. I can't do seven to 10 days. I'm like rushed. Like I have to get back and I've got to get construction work done and carpentry I just can't be gone as much as I'd like to or as much as I normally am and that'll that'll change in the future but this year is the hand that I was dealt and I have to be responsible you know I I, I need to watch some of my daughter's volleyball games I need to make sure I'm being a good family man and luckily I have so much support from my family uh, but but really I, I need to get work done in carpentry and make sure things are getting taken care of. Otherwise, it'll be a tremendous amount of stress on my plate. So I've got five days to go get it done and kill a buck on Phil. We go down there and we go hard. And um, yeah, it's just a big group of bucks, loose terrain. And, you know, there was just a few instances where it didn't come together. And you're only, I'm only going to get so many chances at these big bucks. Um, so, you know... Uh, one day we had uh, uh, a buck in a perfect spot. It's approaching noon, and um, we just didn't have the the right battery capabilities to be able to capture the hunt and had to uh, reboot and reload and get some different camera batteries. By the time we came back, the buck had moved. It was a smaller group of bucks in a great spot. It was just one of those deals uh, that didn't work out. We had another instance where we got... I was 64 yards from my target buck waiting for him to stand, waiting to get a shot. And we had three bucks that got up and fed in front of us. There was a three-point that bedded down at 40 yards below us. We were really hidden in the sage. We did a great job of keeping the element of surprise. But we had to hold still for 40 minutes, and the buck bedded looking in our direction. At one point, the buck is looking our way. I'm not sure if he caught some movement. I'm not sure if he heard me whispering back to the cameraman, but it blew the scenario up. He blew up our target buck and they went away. So like we just like these instances where we we're getting these chances, we're getting in close, but it's just not coming together. So again, the loose terrain, the big group of bucks made it difficult. We're really rationing our water, trying to do the best we can. And we're just going hard. It's plays every single day. It's elevation. It's miles. We are going for it. So uh, had a couple instances there. Uh, lost the box or, or spooked him and then, you know, had to try to relocate him. Um, you know, just some plays that didn't work out or didn't bed in the right spots. Uh, we actually have to pack out of there. We've got one more day to hunt. Uh, glass up on the side hill and glass up a really good buck 28 wide good backs like a great buck I'd like to kill uh, talked to my cameraman and we're like man gotta send it and I actually recorded a video I haven't released yet on Instagram but like kind of like uh, hey this is our last chance we're going for it and it was 
I, you know, I'm not sure 2,500, 3,000 vertical, probably 3,000 vertical because I tried to drive to the base of the mountain and I couldn't get there off this little road as I had to cross this ditch. And as I started crossing the ditch, I saw I was going to hit the back of my truck. I pulled my trailer hitch and uh, had my cameraman watch it for me and I was coming down and I was going to hit my bumper and I was going to high center with my wheels off the ground and be trapped. So I had to back out of there. We had to park. So we had miles through the sage just to get to the base of the mountain and then make this huge 2,500 to 3,000 foot climb. Like I say, probably more like 3,000 in the heat, 90 degree heat and went for it and sent it to try to get a play, try to get a stock on this buck get up there and I, and I'm I'm hunting really well. I'm uh picking up uh deer like a lot of the times you have to see them before they see you. Like that is the game with mule deer, with elk, with all these animals. Like you you have to pick them up and see them and and a lot of times it isn't just glassing them, it's like being able to relocate them in close. And I was picking up these deer bedded in the trees really well. So we're sneaking along, and like I say, my cameraman did an amazing job. Like, uh, he is stalking and quieter than me. Uh, he is uh, uh, doing absolutely everything in his power to help make this team successful and capture this this film. And um, so we stalk in, and, and we get in there, and I pick up Velvet. And I pick up the box. There's a group of three bucks in there, and uh, I see my shooter. And he's in there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the cameraman so he knows where he's at, um, you know, and knows where to film at. And so we're waiting for this buck to stand. The buck stands. And he's like looking, I'm looking through the sun and looking into the dark shadows of where he's at. And he stands up and then he's looking away from me. So I tell my cameraman, I'm like, okay, get up. It's going to happen here. I'm going to shoot him. So he gets up behind me. Uh, draw back and I've got to make a shot here like this is at the max of my distance range of what I'll shoot at an animal so I think he was like you know high 60s uh, close to 70 yards out there but definitely a makeable shot and I felt like it was a better scenario to stay with my cameraman in the shadows than me to sneak closer and gain that 10 extra yards and us be separated and me be out in the sun it's definitely a shot I can make a shot that I practice uh, but it's at the outskirts of what I'll shoot. So I know I need to make a shot, which I've been here before. So the buck stands up, looking away, get cameraman ready, draw back, and um, level my bow, and the pin just settles right in the spot. Uh, settles in the spot. I pull, 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 and the shot breaks, and the, the arrow is clean coming in. Like, man, it just looks like a perfect arrow in there. And as that arrow is coming in, it's about seven yards from the target and I nick a little limb in there that I had no idea was it that was in there like it was such an open lane to this mule deer like it was it was wide open like you could drive a bus through there like I did not see this stick or this limb and and maybe that's you know I looked through my binos I tried to proof everything I know the devil is in the details but there was some little twig in there that I didn't see that my arrow deflected off and missed right just a heartbreaker it's like how I love to end a hunt last day full of effort absolutely going for it buck on film here we go and I duff the shot you know it's like deflect the shot off that limb and I know it was a perfect arrow but that's the way it goes that's bow hunting you know and so you know I didn't let it bug me too bad but I know like you know with Eastman's I'm paying cameramen I'm taking time I'm going into these locations like I really want to capture a film and 
This is what all the training is for. This is like everything points to this. The, you know, the high country mule deer is my deal. I love it with every fiber of my being. You know, here I push myself to the very end, get an opportunity and miss. And so it crushes me. But in the same breath, it's like, you know, this is bow hunting. I know I executed a good shot. We hunted hard. I'll take the L on this one. I've got to get back to work. Like it just is what it is. Uh, so drop my cameraman off. And, um, like I said, he did an incredible job. Like, uh, uh, he's an absolute beast and, and an animal and going to do really well. In fact, I just heard he filmed for Dan Bacar and filmed a great bull that Dan shot. I'm so happy for Dan and so happy for that, uh, new cameraman that this is our, this was my first hunt with him. And then that was Dan's first hunt with him. So really stoked for him. Uh, and, and just, um, man, like so driven to make something out of himself. And, and some of these young kids that come along, um, you know, they have dreams and ambitions of video and, and he'll definitely follow through and make something out of himself. So I look forward to teaming up with them again, as he did really well, stalking, hunting, great attitude. Like, uh, it was money other than completing the film, other than filling my tag. So it's all right. I take an L on this one. Let's uh, get back to it. Come home. I do get a day to hunt antelope in there. It's like a, a, a Labor Day. And uh, so went out in the pouring rain. Uh, and it was just, a, I, you know, I love chasing antelope spot and stock. So it was good to get back to the prairies, go check some spots. And, um, and I glass up this great buck that's super tall. And I think, yeah, that one's a shooter. I actually passed a couple bucks before him, just not quite there. And uh, figure, yeah, well, time to get after an antelope. Spot one in a good spot, but he is miles out there. But um, try, he's in the perfect spot to kill him. If he stays there, it's a dead antelope. And uh, so it's pouring down rain. Uh, but here I am soaking wet and, um, actually I've got like, I've got good rain gear. I wore my soft shell jacket, which is a great jacket for like sprinkling and like, like raining, but the pouring down rain, like, and you'll find that when it's pouring down rain like that, it doesn't matter. Like it seeps in, in your neck around where the water drips down through your sleeves. It was like one of those downpour days where you get an inch or more of rain, uh, so anyways, we go, I go stock this antelope. I'm by myself and, um, man, just right up the draws. Perfect plan. Come up, spot the two does that are bedded. The buck was bedded to the left. Uh, keep creeping up the draw and look up there and the bucks up feeding. No idea. I'm there. Uh, he's like, you know, I can't remember exactly if he was, I think he was right around 50 yards, give or take. Uh, execute my shot. The buck runs about 50 yards and tips over dead. It was just amazing. It was my first stock of the year on antelope. It's a great buck, able to harvest him. Me and my family absolutely love antelope meat. And uh, so that was a win for the season, like um, able to get my antelope down. And really, I was a bit nervous of when I was going to find time to antelope hunt with my schedule and my hunts coming up. Um, so, so it was good to get this one done, arrow, a great goat, have some great meat. And I just, uh, thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience, the, the stock, the, the shot, the prairies, the antelope, and then, you know, the, the butchering process in the rain, the load up, the pack out, like it was everything I could wish for in a hunt. And I had been hunting so hard in Nevada. It was nice to see a little success. Uh, so that was a win for the year. And then after that, um, a couple more days of work trying to get this roof sheeted, get everything in. 
um, absolutely going for it, you know, like uh, trying to get this place put together. And I, it is great that I do have a couple guys that can cover for me when I'm gone. So tried to make a big hit, work long hours, get things done, get my book work done, podcast out, everything I need to get done. And I'm on the road again. And the problem this time is, again, I'm really short on time. I've got uh, a film coming up for Elk that I have booked with a great cameraman, uh, Kobe Owens. And uh, he did a hunt last year with me, um, and and we had a a great time. It was hunting mule deer. So this year I invited him back to hunt elk with me and super pumped to get to this hunt, but I'm short on time. And so here I've got this great mule deer tag that I've waited a few years to get. And um, I've got this tag, and I, I just don't have the time. You know, I've spent a bunch of my time you know, hunting goats and then um, uh, hunting mule deer on that other filmed hunt. And so I've already burned, you know, let's see, 10, 15 days, another 16. I've already hunted 16 days, which is a bunch of days. So I've got three days to hunt this tag. And three days is like driving Thursday night after work all night to try to get down there. It's a 10-hour drive for me, maybe 11 hours, drive throughout the night, catch a three-hour nap, get down there. I'm late to the to the morning vantage because of that three-hour nap, so I don't get a good morning session. So really, you know, I'm getting like a, a three-quarters of a day in there. So again, I just throw on my backpack. This is the time I have. It's time to charge hard and see if I can get a buck down now. The challenge with this hunt is I went later, it opened early, so it's good the hunting pressure is off. The problem is, is these bucks are starting to shed their velvet. The bucks are really timbering up and dropping to lower elevation. It's like this hunt for bucks in secondary living. So I think the dates around this, I think I'm I'm like, I don't like... I'm around the like 6th to the 10th or 7th to the 10th or something like that. And, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm late in the season. They're starting to shed their velvet, drop to lower country, which is tough. I really like them in that Alpen environment. And so my timing's a bit off on this hunt, but man, did I see some great bucks. And, you know, I just think it's amazing. Like, like I've had these wild adventures. I'm having the season of my lifetime. Like I just, I'm able to go so hard. I'm able to get above tree line and then I'm able to find some tremendous bucks. Like, it's been a few years since I've been able to find a buck that'll go 200 inches. I chased one last year that I thought was low 190s, high 180s, and not that scores that, you know, I'm I'm just trying to give you guys a reference. Like, for me, a mature buck gets me excited, and I love chasing him, but there are some true giants in here, and it just reminds me that, that I need to hunt these units that have... Uh, these these genetics or these bucks that can grow to this age class. And so I hope someday to come back to this unit, but I actually got to chase like the bucks of my dreams. Like, I, you know, there was a 200-inch typical with these giant backs and just super heavy horns. And, you know, I, I chased one that was like low 190s, high, high 180s that was a hard horn and called him Big Red because his just shed his velvet and his horns were so red in color. I found one the last day. It was 30 inches wide with great forks that was around in the, you know, 180s, maybe pushing 190, like just great bucks. And uh, so I'm able to, the first day I load up and uh, I'd go check this drainage out. And uh, my buddy Dan has actually had good hunting in this drainage like a week prior to me. We drew the tag together, but due to time 
constraints and schedule he like went over and hunted it for himself earlier and so you know I had some good intel but I showed up in the drainage that he said was really good and there was nothing in there like I spotted one small four point and again like I could shoot a buck but this is a chance to like chase uh, a buck that I'm really going to be happy with and stoked with and I've killed enough four point bucks like I don't need the buck to prove to myself I'm a good bow hunter like I know I'm bow hunting well and I really want to I want the opportunity to chase these bigger older age class and so I pass up on that buck but I just get up and just charge this ridge line that goes to 12k and um, I'm able to get up there live on the ridge line I've got great weather which is hot and sunny or warm and sunny and uh, so I'm able to sleep up on the the ridge line and just grab these great vantage points and even though these bucks are really putting away in the timber I mean they're allergic to the sunlight they're so tough to glass with their gray coats on that I'm really having having to pick things apart but I'm just grabbing these great vantage points it's a solo rip which I truly love like you know I, I love doing it with friends I love doing it with a cameraman and capturing it but I also need this solo trip to to go out and to bow hunt you know and so I'm up in there I get the chance at at that buck of my dreams um the let's see I the first night I spotted another shooter buck that was just a good one um you know I thought about going for him but he had just disappeared back in the timber and I didn't turn him up till late in the night and I didn't have enough time to make it to him so the next morning grab a good vantage point turn up this slammer of a deer and there's a pretty good group of them like maybe 10 of them together uh, I did locate big red was in there which I would have also shot which was a great hard horn that went 30 inches uh, that just shed his velvet red horns just a beautiful buck and um so I did locate him. I located the the giant in there, put him away to bed, and I was so far away from my uh, from my access point, from my truck. You know, I had backpacked in there. I was a couple days, and where these deer were at, I had to drop like uh, maybe a couple thousand feet of elevation to get down to them. They had dropped way down low in the timber. And I had to drop way away from where my vehicle was. So I figured the smarter move as they dropped in the timber was to actually hike all the way back to my vehicle to drive around to a different access point to come in that way. It almost looked, you know, and I thought because they're timbering up, I can't make my classic stocks where they're just not bedding in good like stockable places they're disappearing in these big thick timber patches and so my play is to hunt them in the evening to see them come out in the evening and then to make a play using the evening thermals that are coming downhill so it, it's a bit of a, a unique strategy as I'm getting into secondary living been here before I've got a great chance to chase these animals so I do that I go reset and oh I came down the sketchiest uh, cliffs I actually put did post it on my Instagram like a video I made but I had I'd come up to make that 12k ridgeline and when I came down I couldn't see over the edge and um, I do pretty good in the steep I had a couple times goat hunting that I really pushed my limits on some steep stuff uh, keeping my points of contact and it's basically like you just can't slip if you slip like you're gonna be really hurt and so I was coming down this slope, and I couldn't tell the exact shoot I'd come up. And it it was steep coming up, but it just wasn't that bad. But coming down, I got 
in the wrong shoot and I started down just the gnarliest slope and you know I had already dropped a thousand feet by the time I got to this gnarly spot couldn't get over to the other shoot and so I kept trying to go down and um yeah it's like I you know and a lot of times it's worse off if I get nervous and so you know I kept my cool I was able to keep climbing down but it was gnarly oh my gosh uh super sketchy uh, and, but I'm able to pick my way down, make it down to the vehicle, drive around to the other point. At this point, it's early afternoon, uh, able to load up the backpack with the bivy sack again, uh, and, and head in. And I do like, like, I like a bivy tent, but if I'm just going in for an overnight or a couple nights, that bivy sack sure is nice too, you know, especially with good weather. It's so light. I can just roll out my bag. Uh, and so I can sleep in a deer bed. I can sleep wherever I end up. I, I really do enjoy hunting that way. This, this super light and super quick. So I head down and, or head up and, uh, hike in. I've got my camp with me a couple days worth of food and, um, head in to go make a play on this buck. And so I set up on the vantage point and I just watch like all day long. I never can pick one out moving or bedded. I can never pick them out moving. But finally, towards the end of the night, I see him start to feed out of this timber. I loop around. I get the wind right. I've just got a perfect wind in my face, and I've got a perfect location, a trail leading to where they're at in this park, and uh, I'm headed right towards them. And so I dump my pack for the last approach, start moving in quietly, ready to go, wind right in my face, and I get like maybe 125 away from him. And I hear deer blowing like up above me. I'm like, what in the heck? Like there is no way they could win me. My approach is perfect. I haven't bumped a deer. I haven't seen the deer yet. Like I know they're right in this park and I'm just sneaking to that point and I hear this deer blowing. I'm like, oh man, what in the heck? So I try to sneak the last like 50 yards I need to peek over into this park where they're supposed to be at and I run right into a mountain lion. So this mountain lion had obviously stalked down and um, there's nothing worse than a than a... A crappy hunter screwing up your stock and not that a mountain lion like it's way better hunter than I could ever be if you had to kill him with teeth and claws but he came down with the wrong wind so I don't know if he was just uh approaching these mule deer trying to hunt them from above like I'm not sure what happened but the the deer obviously saw this mountain lion and spooked and now we're up blowing up there so like that's my play at the giant buck that I've waited so long to get a chance at that I you know I haven't found a buck like that for a few years uh, but it's just the way it goes. It's just bow hunting, mountain lion screwed up my stock. I actually didn't have spray, didn't have a pistol or anything. And uh, most of the time these mountain lions run away. But he kind of looked at me eye to eye there for a bit. like, And I thought, man, am I going to have to shoot this thing? Like <laughs> I'll shoot him with my bow as he comes at me. But the mountain lion did go the other way. It, it didn't seem like a giant cat either. It seemed like a smaller one. So uh, I don't think it was a kit or anything. But uh uh, definitely a younger mountain lion, but, um, he went the other way. So that was my stock for the night. And, um, so yeah, all I, I, all I can do is trek back, find a place to camp and think about my morning hunt. And by this time I've burned two of my three days of hunting. Uh, but I've just seen some great bucks. And again, I am just so thankful. Like there are great places to hunt around. Like if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to do research, like I had a, a great antelope hunt. I had a great early hunt where I tried to film that hunt where I just got action and stocks every day. And now I'm on this hunt where I'm seeing absolute giants day in, day out. I just need more time, but it's my last day. And, you know, here we are, I try to get it done. And so, 
uh, come up and I'm I'm headed over to go look at that drainage at daybreak where those bucks had been hoping that they kept in that drainage. And as I get up there, I get to this little saddle and I think, oh, I should hold up here before I have to side hill over to look at this basin, make sure there's no bucks around. And uh, I haven't made many mistakes this season. Uh, this is one of my mistakes. So uh, I sit on the saddle. I wait for light, which was smart. That's exactly what I should do. Uh, I glass around with the lights coming on. I don't pick out any bucks. I'm looking at this side hill that I've got to go across to make sure the bucks aren't on there. I don't catch them. I move out to the saddle to get a little bit better view of this basin to the left. Not the basin where the bucks were, but it looks like a good basin and I haven't glassed it because it's further than I've gone. Uh, so I glass that basin. I don't catch anything. And um, I, I, uh, I then peer over from the saddle and it's like an open saddle. So now I've came out of the edge of the timber and I'm on the saddle giving it one last look. And I look to my right and I see two bucks and they're staring in my direction like they already have me pinned. And they're on that side hill I have to cross. I'm like, oh, man, they see me. And they caught me just in the twilight. Like, it's hardly light enough to see. I just walked into that open park on that open saddle. And maybe I wasn't diligent enough with my glass, but it's the the bucks had me beat on this deal. And so I actually slipped behind a fir tree. You know, it's my last day. It's morning light. The two bucks that are there are like uh, 150, 160 bucks or whatever. Um, but I figure let's get closer. Maybe the whole herd's with them, you know, and so I put this big tree in between me and them, made moves to the tree, peek around the tree, and I don't see the two bucks. They're gone. And I think, oh, well, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, they had me anyways. And as I glass around, I catch Big Red, and Big Red is staring in my direction. Of course, he probably saw those other two bucks that had spotted me, and I can just see his rack and his head. Um, he's like, uh 120 out or something like that so it's late morning it's like I can't see where they're gonna go they're kind of on edge it's like well my only chance is to dip into this grass and try to crawl my way in closer and the the buck actually stayed there all the way till 90 yards till I till I got there I got one last look uh, I was trying to get just another 15 yards or so and um, by the time I got my 15 yards and poked up he was gone and I thought oh man you know, that's the way it goes. It spotted me first, and um, Big Red was right there, and I did get a chance or a play at him. It it just, um, you know, and I had downhill winds from the morning, so I'm kind of approaching from the side, from the bottom, but um, it didn't pan out. And a lot of times, it's the way it is. You get these opportunities or these chances, try to make something happen, make the best moves I can, um, trying to make... Uh, a lemonade out of lemons, you know, like uh, being spooked and trying to make a play at them, but it didn't pan out. So I go glass the basin to the right. The bucks aren't in there. So cruise back over to this left drainage, get a look in that. And I do, I spot three bucks in there and the one's a slammer. He's got dark velvet. He's 30 inches wide, great forks. I'm like, oh man, the game isn't over. Like uh, I'm back in, you're saying there's a chance, you know? And so uh, I spot this great buck and I just watch him all morning. There's no approach I can make to him. This is where, <clears throat> excuse me, this is, um, this is where I've got to wait to try to get a classic stock in their bed. So I watch them all morning and um, watch them disappear and they kind of go in these rock slides and into these timber patches. And I've got a good vantage. I've kind of adjusted my vantage a couple times to make sure I can see where they go and where they end up. 
And uh, these bucks come down. They kind of disappear in this timber patch. Um, so I, I watch all the edges of the timber patch. I actually had to wait about another 40 minutes till I felt like I had a really good uphill thermal. And it was about 10 o'clock or 10.30. And the winds just act different everywhere I go. Like, really got to learn these winds and how they operate. But it took a little bit of time for these thermals to switch around. It's kind of a shaded hillside. But thermals kind of switch around or finally switch around. And then I'm confident this buck is in the, the, the timber patch where I left him. So I make my play. Make my play across. It's really slow. Uh, 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 really calculated. Um thought like I've got to relocate these bucks in this timber patch but I've got a pretty good chance and I've done a pretty good job this year picking up these bucks in these timber patches in their beds just sneaking in there and uh, I get over there and I stalk around ultra slow around these rock slides and in through the trees and grab vantage points and those bucks are totally gone so um heartbreaker you know it's like they just didn't bed up high they dropped lower into the timber i think they just got in this chute that i couldn't really see where they were kind of hidden and didn't catch movement and they made it down i kind of make my my best bet of where i think they are where i think they could go and again you know like i've gotta gotta be to work like the next day so uh i just figure like um you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hunt the, the morning till noon. Of course, it's about two o'clock by the time I get out, but I'm just trying to give it my all. So I, you know, I actually like still hunted down through a bunch of timber, just trying to get so lucky, just like trying to find like a, a lucky horseshoe or a four leaf clover, like bump into these bucks. And it, it didn't work out. I never did catch them. I'm not sure where they made it off to. Yeah, I wish I would have caught up to them, but I, I'm just so pumped that, the units like this exist. The hunt was this amazing adventure. It's just short. It's just three days. So if I had to redo it and, you know, I have to learn from my mistakes or my shortcomings and, you know, I have to learn from these failures. This is the second mule deer failure I've had this year where I don't need to arrow a buck on every hunt. I, you know, I just said this year, if I can arrow one good buck between these two hunts, a good early season deer, I'd be stoked. But here I am with um, two burnt tags. Like, it's like, oh man. And I just know that I put in the work this off season. I know I'm shooting good. I know I'm in great shape. I know my hunting skill is there. And I know that I'm putting absolute maximum effort in. Like whatever it takes, whatever I need to do, I'm I'm doing and going for it. And so, yeah, I put in a bunch of miles in elevation and turned up some really good bucks in a short amount of time. Like there's a lot of wins I can take from this thing too. But um, ultimately, I, I think for next season is I just have to, um, I, I just have to, have better timing on these hunts. So this was a timing deal as I had waited, like the, the season had opened earlier and I wasn't there to catch them in that Alpen environment. Here I am late as they're going to secondary living. Uh, so that's going to make it a lot more difficult. And then just time in the field, like to try to be successful with three days is tough. And to try to be successful on the other mule deer hunt with five days is tough. And especially when I'm looking for a next level buck and, and also you know, these two units, I had a combined scouting days of zero this year. Like, you know, I'm not spending enough time in the summer in these units, scouting these units, being dialed on them. Like I had hunted one of those units before and I just figure, well, I'll figure it out when I get down there. But if I want next level results, I have to put in next level effort. And so it's going to be more scouting, uh, more dedicated time to early season mule deer, 
Uh, it's going to be timing these hunts better to get down there when they're they're in that lax alpin attitude, alpin environment. So, you know, again, these are just like like uh, opportunities to learn and opportunities to get better. And I know like why I didn't come away successful. And, um, you know, it just is what it is. I just got to get back to the drawing board. It's a long season for me and I know I've got elk coming up next. So I race home, drive all night to get home, catch three hours of sleep. I'm up on the roof the next day going for it, put in some long hours for, three days or so and then um i'm back at it i've got uh kobe uh another cameraman showing up and we're going to try to capture an elk hunt and so the timing was really good last season in the second week of september which historically is a touch early but it's also good to catch these bulls when they're looking for cows and then a lot of these areas i hunt can be really good this second week so we're all in we're going for us load up the truck again load up the coolers and uh, time to send it and go for it so load up and um, go for it. Um, man, it's like, you know, check some of my spots to start with and some of my historically good spots. Um, not turning up elk. I'm not hearing bugles. Rut was a little slow to start with. I did turn up a bull the first day. It was a great bull, um, like a solid 305, 310 bull. Uh, heavy, nice, dark antlers. First stock of the season. And, um, uh, really, you know, I'm, I'm looking for just a touch bigger bull, but he's right in front of us. He's bugling. He's got a satellite bowl and it's like, well, let's, let's slip down, see what we can do. And, and, uh, so I hear him bugling. It's like a good opportunity to get in sync with the cameraman and see what we can do. Uh, you know, and at first we're just chasing him around hearing his good raspy bugle. So I'm not sure how big he is. Once I finally saw him, then, you know, we realized that he wasn't a shooter, but, you know, here again, like, uh, uh, there's a mistake made. Like, I'm not sure, and like I say, it's always a team with me and cameraman. Like, it's trying to get two people into range. And again, you guys know that I'm a spot and stock guy. Like, I'd love to call them in and have them come into 30 yards and get great video. But targeting these herd bulls in these high-pressure general season units, they're just tough to call in. And so I prefer to spot and stock, take what the animals give me. And so been hunting good all season. Of course, I've made a couple mistakes or animals have caught me, but um, as we're stalking in, I've got a tall cameraman now. And so like our ridgeline approach is something that we need to dial in. And so, you know, I'm not sure if the animal picked up on his movement behind me because he isn't like a foot taller than me or so. Probably not quite a foot, but I think he's 6'4 or something. Uh, so I'm not sure if they caught him moving and I couldn't see the bull because he was too far over the rise. Or, like, I missed the bull and um, didn't see him when I should have seen him. And, you know, he, he caught the cameraman or caught our movement. But when I saw him, I could just see the tips of his antlers down there and uh, he was on to us. So it was a good thing it wasn't a shooter. and um, But he did pick us out at 100 yards or so. Uh, and I, I just hate spooking elk. I hate spooking any animal. Like my goal on these hunts is to go through these hunts and not spook a single animal. And so we heard him bugle. We chased him around. Circle got the wind right. Uh, coming in, can hear him bugling right over the top. I know he's right over there. I'm sneaking us in. I'm super quiet in this 
grass with a semi-open sage as we're stalking in, and this bull catches movement. I think the bull's a little bit more in front of me. Turns out he was a little bit over the right. So again, I'm not sure if he caught the cameraman working behind me, but then we just have a conversation about it. It's like, hey, you know, you got to be a few steps behind me and make sure that I'm exposing the ridgeline first. Like, we kind of dial everything in and try to get in sync, and it's just a good thing it, it wasn't a great big shooter, and now we're dialed for the rest of the hunt. And really... Just like my other hunts this season, it is like this amazing adventure in the the mountains of south, southwest Montana, which I truly love, and uh, we're just putting on miles. Again, we, uh, we did 57 miles in four and a half days. We absolutely sent it. We were the first guy in the woods in the morning, the last guys to leave. It was a ton of headlamp work, and headlamp work in thick grizzly country where there's attacks every year. And uh, so we had to send it and go for it. And again, just like an amazing cameraman with an amazing attitude, really good hunting skill, good eyes on them. It's almost like teaming. Well, it is teaming up with your buddy to try to create this film. And uh, so we did, you know, better than I could have ever imagined. I really like this. Uh, Kobe is super talented with the camera and um, just caught some amazing shots, which I need to download and release some, some amazing video. So I just really want to put this film together, but it's got to be the right bull. Again, I'm not going to just shoot a bull to have it on film. So we chased that bull, and, and some of my historically really good areas are just not producing elk, and so I have to go look elsewhere. And so making hunts into new country, and really it's like good. I, you know, it's like uh, like Jocko says, like, good, I'm glad it's tough hunting. It, it means I can go find some new spots and some new locations that I can uh, put in my back pocket to learn for later. And it's like, good, well, I'm, you know, I know how to grind and I know how to find elk. Like, let's go find some elk. So went into a totally new area. And, uh, you know, it's just wild how that little bit of effort can just turn up an opportunity. Like, here we are hunting a morning. It's really quiet. Like, I love to hear a bugle straight off in the morning and go chase a bull. So that first bull, I heard him bugling in the dark and then able to go move on him and make a play. Uh, but now we start off in the morning and there's no bugles and we're looking over two nice canyons either side. We're glassing. We're listening. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I, I just told Kobe, I'm like, man, it's like this effort. We're in here now. Like, we'll worry about the spot we're going to hunt in the evening, but we have to be present and hunt this spot to the best of our ability. And we're actually seeing a bit of sign on the ridgeline, some tracks and some scrapes. I know there's been elk in there. And, and I'm just like, it would have been so easy to turn around at about 8 o'clock when we got to the base of this mountain. We've got another big climb. And I'm like, hey, man, it's like this extra effort that just turns up bulls. Like, we're going to make it to the top of this thing. We're going to find a bull. Like, And if we don't hear, we'll find a bull tonight in the next spot. Like, we just have to put maximum effort and hunt to the best of our ability. And like Kobe says, like, man, I wonder how many times I've turned back one ridge away from finding elk. And I think that's all of us. Like, you just need to be present in the spot. And if you're not locating elk, not locating deer, it's just make your best hunt with your 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 uh, your your best like uh, uh, your best effort, like to try to find an elk and be present in that spot you're hunting. Not always thinking the grass is greener on the other side. And wouldn't you know it? We top the next peak, the next vantage point, and I turn up like a herd elk and it's got a great big six point in it. It's got four or five satellite bulls in it. It's an elk party and I can see him bugling up on the ridge. Can just barely hear him from where I'm at, but uh, we got some elk. Now it's getting late. It's like eight thirty, nine o'clock. 
these elk are just putting away and it's it'll take us an hour and a half or more to try to get to them like they're all the way across the canyon lose all our elevation gain all our elevation and i really like in in this scenario like sure if i could replay this i might go stalk them in their beds but there's just too many eyes too many elk in there i have a higher percentage chance stalking these bulls in their feeding feature when they're out and feeding these meadows they're on their feet and so if i can get to them in the morning i'll take that opportunity but most of the time if i have them like right in late morning i just bet them and then i'm gonna make a play in the evening so we bet them and then um, we make the long play around the ridge line and up to the where, where they're at early afternoon and just set up in this perfect vantage point. And you're always like playing this wind. Like the wind, it's, it is a higher understanding of these winds to get these good plays on these bulls. And I am very proud of the plays that I've made and the, uh, the way I've played the wind on these elk put us in a good location to locate this bull coming out of the timber. Most of the time these bulls bed in the timber come out, uh, you know, of that timber in the evening. They usually bed for the entire day. Get up there, sit and sit and sit and nothing, nothing, nothing. Like, oh my gosh, okay. So we had a plan to go look for these elk. They don't come out of the spot I think they're going to. Now it's getting later. Later, It's 6.30, it's 7. Okay, they're not going to come out of that timber. Now we need to go look on the backside, look on the backside, round around the hill. Like now it's getting close to dark and then all of a sudden I see them. And um, they'd actually drop down the other side in this basin i think they had dropped down for water sometime in the afternoon maybe or you know i'm not even sure how they dropped down or when they dropped down but yeah sometime in the afternoon before we got in position somehow some way and they dropped down to the creek and i can hear the bull bugling down there and these bulls are getting more fired up by the day even though it's second week of september like the rut is just getting going better and better every day so i locate them but there is no play. Even though I've got good evening thermals, they're about 30, 40 minutes away, and we've got about 15, 20 minutes left of light, maybe. So we trek all the way out of there, headlamps in the dark. We got back at the truck at midnight. Uh, we're supposed to meet my buddy Dan, but uh, Dan knows that if I'm on elk or if I don't make it out, he knows not to worry about me. And so uh, we're out at midnight. I'm like, by the time we make it to Dan and drive all the way down there, it's one o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, by the time we drive back here and need to get a start at 430 in the morning, like, you know, we're not going to get any sleep, like maybe a couple hours. So we uh, end up having some quick dinner, sleeping there, back up in the morning at 430, headed back into the spot where that bull is, couple hours in the dark get to the spot, locate the bull down in there, make a play down on them. Got good downhill thermals, make our way over there, and by the time I get over there, they're just putting away in the timber in there. So I wanted to relocate them and see them to make the play just in case they move throughout the night, but they put away in the thick timber, and it's, you know, he bugles a handful of times in the thick timber, but I just, I don't want to chase him. Like, the timber around there is is hellish. It's just like, it's this downfall, noisy stuff where it's really tough to chase him in. And some of this timber, I will chase him in, and especially if they're on their feet moving through. But again, there's so many elk in there, the big herd bull, and then four satellites. And uh, so I choose not to go in after him. Now we have an all-day wait. It's like eight or nine hours we have to wait on the mountain uh, for the evening uh, to kick off. I hear the bull bugle in the middle of the day. And again, this bull had moved the middle of the day and kind of moved throughout the timber and had moved lower. 
So I kind of circled around where I had a good vantage point to see him come out. Now I'm waiting for the evening. And as I'm waiting for the evening, I don't see this bull come out, but I hear him bugle down below me. So it's time to drop and make a play. I drop down, uh, you know, and it's really tough as I'm playing uphill thermals as the sun hasn't gone down yet, but I'm trying to get in striking distance. So when the thermals do drop, I can make a play on this bull, or maybe I can make a play on them earlier as I have the uphill thermals. Uh, the bull starts bugling pretty good and we just start playing the game, making our way around, playing the wind really well. And I come up over the rise and I catch a satellite bull and then I, the herd bulls down below us and he's glunking, he's chasing a cow, he's bugling. It's like perfect scenario. And at this point, the sun's just starting to go down. And so I circle around and I get that downhill side with the downhill thermals. And again, I'm really pumped at these plays that I'm making on these elk start chasing, but they are kind of in this timber, but I know they're on their feet. And as I start closing in, I catch uh, a bull in front of me and it's one of the satellite bulls and he crosses from left to right crosses at like 30 yards I could have shot him easy it was like a, a five point or small six or something like that crosses in front of me and it's just wild to be into elk and bugles and screaming all around me I mean just what I absolutely love it's just so thrilling and so the satellite bull crosses from left to right and these, these satellite bulls are such wild cards. So he crosses from left to right, and he disappears to my right. I wait for a few minutes. I'm like, okay, the bull's gone. Like, let's keep closing in on this herd bull as he's just screaming his head off down below us. And uh, take four or five steps to my left, and that herd bull, or that satellite bull, had looped around back on the ridge line, and he must have just caught a little bit of movement. And he spooks and he spooks into the herd. And a lot of times when you spook these satellites, they go the other way. You know, it's like 50-50. But this time he spooks into the elk. The elk don't know what's going on. I have a perfect win. But they kind of scramble up on this bench, you know. And then they're just feeding up on this bench and the bull starts bugling. I'm like, oh, man, it's all good. We just got to make a play through this bottom and up on that bench. We get up on that bench uh, see that herd bull. He's just this awesome, this beautiful, big mountain six point, like, you know, just a good shooter bull for me. Um, you know, probably around three thirty or so dark horns, ivory tips, just a great bull, just a great specimen. And, uh, he rolls in this wallow. He's, he's all mudded up on his side and he's got, you know, mud in his horns and he's, uh, rutting around these cows and, uh, we have a great downhill wind now, and they kind of go into this little meadow where I've got timber on the left-hand side, and it can't be any more than 80 yards across that meadow. They're in the perfect place. I loop around, come up, sneak through that timber, expect them to be in that meadow, and they're gone. Like, they had just started moving in the evening. You know, I'm not sure if it was that satellite bull bumped into them, but now they're moving and feeding and rutting and kind of just moving through so, I mean, it just is what it is. I try to, like, I can't hear his bugle anymore, try to relocate him, finally relocate him over the top, but at this point, I'm running out of daylight. There isn't enough time to loop back around, and I can hear another bull down there bugling. So, uh, we kind of back out and make the long hike back out, headlamp work, another couple hours in the dark, and at this point, we did a 17-mile day and a 15-mile day back-to-back. So this next day, we're going to get a little bit smarter. We're going to come in from the other way. It's like a little bit closer to them. And, you know, we haven't been in this way yet, but it looks like a better approach, you know, where we won't have to put in quite so many miles. Come in the next morning, 
takes us a while to find them. Like it, it's surprising. You just can't hear these bulls until you get right on top of them, even if they're bugling. Like sometimes they're in an amphitheater and you can hear the bugles from a long ways away. Sometimes you need to be right in that drainage. And so we hunt up this great drainage, hunt all this country. Finally, at eight o'clock in the morning, come over the top, uh, locate this bull bugling. There's two herd bulls that are screaming. So I haven't seen the one herd bull, but I know the other one's probably that that 330 bull from the night before I'll take either herd bull or at least like to get a look at him. I start chasing I believe the other herd bull but who knows which one and I'm chasing bugles it's eight o'clock in the morning I chase him till about nine I get to the place where I'm like 150 yards away from him and and I just like I have no approach it's like through this thick downfall in there and I like figure it's eight eight fifteen like he's starting to get it could even be later than that. You know, honestly, I think it's later than that because it was nine o'clock when I stopped chasing him. So, so we chased him. I didn't find him till eight, chased him till nine. And I'm at nine o'clock. He's 150 yards and he's screaming his head off. And I just told Kobe, I'm like, man, it's low percentage. We got to go through this downfall to get to him. I'm not sure what he has for cows. Like, I think we're going to be better off to let them bed. Also, the thermals are starting to switch around, so they're getting really fickle where I don't have this solid approach with a steady wind. So I'm like, man, we're just going to be smarter if we, like, sit it out and wait on this bull and get him in the evening when he comes in a feeding feature. And it it took everything I had. And this bull was so fired up. He bugled till 1030 in the morning. I must have heard him bugle I don't know how many times. And I know he's just in the timber in there chasing cows. And a couple times I thought about going for him and I checked the wind and then the wind would come the other direction. I'm just like, man, I just don't have a play here. Like, you know, this is low percentage and in a course, you know, we're hunting where other hunters are. So it's like, you know, I'm hoping nobody hears them. I'm hoping nobody comes in. We did hear, heard a bull bugle above us at like 1030, right? As this bull's starting to shut up. And I'm like, God, is that a hunter? And it was like a younger two-year-old bull or whatever. But I thought it was a hunter because I hadn't heard any bugles above us. And all of a sudden there's a bugle above us. But he's bugling with this other herd bull. We just think we're into the party. This evening's going to be insane. They keep heating up. It's just action. I want to get him in his feeding feature. We'll get him tonight. It's higher percentage. Winds switch around and we kind of last bugle 1030. Uh, maybe heard him sound off at noon or 1 o'clock in there a time or two. But uh, he kind of goes quiet. And um, it's another all day sit in the mountains, eight, nine hours of waiting. And it it's just wild. This, this elk hunting is so much effort morning and night. And really the deer hunting I do and things like some of the mule deer hunting like that first hunt, I could find a middle of the day or find them changing beds. And animals do get up and adjust throughout the day. But it's just how so wild with these elk that it's like takes so much effort in the morning and in the evening and middle of the day you can come over the best drainage and not even know it like we did the day before when I was on that big herd bull I did spot three guys on the ridge that came over and cow called and bugled and here we are sitting on this giant bull with all these cows and four or five satellites these guys bugle and call from the ridge and they don't get any answers so they just walked in this uh, absolutely amazing drainage but by the time they got there at 11 o'clock in the morning all the action was gone and so you just have to be in the right places at the right time. And you have to put so much effort in this morning and night. So we're putting so much effort hiking in the dark, hiking with headlamps, going for it to put ourselves in these positions. But then in the middle of the day, 
it is nothing, man. It's like El Blanco in there. It, you know, like you can get days where they're active all day, where it's rainy and, and things happen. And there is a, there is a scenario which, you know, I'll talk about where you can go stock them in the timber or can stock them in their beds. It's just where they're at right now. And I second guess myself, like after it played out in the evening, I'm almost like, well, should have just gone for him when he was screaming his head off this morning and, and been super aggressive and seeing if I could have got a good direction of win. But I just know like high percentage, low percentage, what's my best percentage chance of killing this thing. It was in the evening in his feeding feature. But as we start hunting the evening, I hear this bull a long ways off, like way down the canyon. I'm like, oh, he's moved. So we start dropping down the canyon. And then I hear him going up this downfall timber to the left. I know we haven't spooked this thing. I know he hasn't caught our wind. He's just like these bulls just move around and cover so much country. Like half of the challenge is just catching up to him. So I, I start trailing up this bull, following him through the thick downfall. You know, this goes on for an hour trying to make up ground on him. He gets to the ridge, bugles from the ridge. I'm like, okay, he's probably going to hold up on that ridge. We've hiked this ridge multiple times because now we're over on the other side. We ended up totally on the opposite side than when we came from. It would have been way easier to come from the access that we had been hunting from, but whatever. It just is what it is, you know. And um, So we're over there. He's on the ridge. He's bugling. I'm like, man, him and his cows are going to hold up and feed that ridge tonight. That's where they're going to be. And I come up over the ridge, uh, got a great win, and I pop up over the top and I catch some cows. And they're just feeding in this little depression. They're in the perfect spot. I've got this ridge line to sneak around and get closer. I get closer, catch a bull in the brush, uh, like in the timber in there moving through. I'm like, man, that bull is right here. He's going to come to his cows. We're going to kill this bull right in this drainage. And uh, the bull pops out, and he's a five by six. He's like not quite what I'm looking for. He's actually like a satellite bull. And then the herd bull grunts and groans at us from over the hill again. Like he either ditched his cows and kept moving. This is a different herd that he worked through. He took some cows with him. He left his cows. I'm not sure the scenario, but the bull had stopped bugling that night. So I had that five by six. I could have shot him past. And again, it's just got to be a bull that I'm happy with. And so uh, carry on, try to find that herd bull. Can't find him throughout the dark. We've got the longest hike back through so much downfall to get back. It uh, We actually found a pretty good route about halfway through. But um, uh, yeah, a bunch of miles again. And then um, no play. I didn't hear like a, a good... A good tactic as well as to be listening at night for these bulls is they rut the hardest at night. And so as I'm traveling all these miles with my headlamp, we're listening for bulls. And if I can locate a good herd bull, then we know we've got a bull for the morning to get on. But we hike all the way out. We don't hear anything. The two herd bulls that we had heard going off that morning, uh, you know, they've disappeared from me somehow, some way. And I, I never spooked them. They never caught my wind. There wasn't any other hunters. Like, they're just elk being elk moving around in this country. So, oh, I'm down to, like, my my last day with my cameraman. And, it, you know, again, it's like I just... um. I know I'm I'm spending money per day to have these cameramen here and like you know I know Eastman's is really wants me to put together film like I'd love to put it together I'm trying to do everything in my power to be successful on the bull I want like uh just absolutely grinding but uh get down to the last day I check some locations I know I'm listening for bugles and all of a sudden I hear a faint bugle in the darkness and another one and another one it's like oh those are bulls are they in the bottom are they in this park and uh, so get a little bit closer there and then I can hear him going off and 
make my approach in and through them, and I'm I'm actually like uh, rolling down through and trying to make a play, and um, in the dark, like just trying to move in, and there's a couple hunters that are sitting down there below. So they've obviously got the play on the bulls. I do not. Uh, I'm going to give them their space and then um, let them go. But I don't know how hard guys are going to go. I don't know where they're going to chase them to. You know, I don't know anything. So I'll go up this ridge to the left, uh, give those guys the play at the elk first light in the morning. And I've seen these elk go left quite a few times. So, like, I know there's other hunters on them, um, but, you know, I'll give them their space. They make the play. I'll keep my wind out of there, and then I'll move up to the left of them. And if these bulls end up coming to me, I might get a play. And then elk love to walk uphill for miles. And so, you know, I kind of know. It's like, give these guys the play in the park and in the meadow, and then, you know, I'll climb all day to make it to them, 2,000 vertical, 3,000 vertical, wherever they end up. And the majority of guys don't make it up there, can't keep with the bulls that long, they don't bugle that long, whatever the case is, you know. So give them their space, give those guys the play, and um, hear the bulls bugle, and they kind of disappear, and I don't hear them sounding off. Like, I think they just went quiet. Like, oh man, that's weird. They've been bugling so good here the last couple days. But I do hear one bull that kind of sounds off up above me. And so I just keep trekking up this left ridge, thousands of feet of elevation up and through there. Hear him like make a quiet bugle once I'm up there. And it's getting late morning again. And and again, it's like that one last ridge you climb or that last little basin you check sometimes can be the one. And so climb up and I'm, I'm following elk tracks the whole way, hear a little silent bugle at 8.30 or whatever the case is up above me, like a, just a uh, squeak or whatever, not a full bugle or sound off and think, well, I'll keep going up and catch them. And I, I work up there and I catch a cow and I catch a couple cows and it's like, oh man, there they are. Oh, my thermals are going up now. You know, they're not going down anymore. Like I need to circle around, circle back over to the ridge and then come up the ridge. And then all of a sudden just catch these couple cows. And they, um, the one cow comes right up to me and is like walking my ridge and walks within like 10 yards of me and kind of spots something there. We had like a 10 minute standoff and I'm just thinking this bull's with her. At some point he's going to walk up. And uh, really camoed in good. We have a perfect wind on that ridge line. It was just wild, like this close encounter with this cow, like watching all these little gnat flies and stuff. There had to be a hundred flies, like in the sunlight, kind of around her. And she kind of picked us off there at ten yards or whatever. She was walking right at us on the ridge line. Um, and and maybe I should have got over top the ridge, or you know, you just kind of set up and think they're going to go one way, and she ends up walking right into us. But uh, we held our ground uh, ten minutes of being totally still and she kind of walks off and another cow with her and no bull but the whole time that we're sitting this 10 minute standoff I come over to this gnarly back basin back there that looks like something I'd muley hunt like it's you know cliffs and rocks and this gnarly basin and the party is going on down there there's four or five bulls that are sounding off just just bugling like crazy down the hill you know and uh, or just over from me in this basin I'm like, man, we found them. Like they moved over and up this hill and it's in such rough and rugged country. We've climbed a couple thousand vertical at least. We've climbed a dang near the top of the mountain and we're in this back base and I'm like, man, we got them. So the cows move off and I start side hilling in. At this point, I've just got the best uphill thermal breeze that is blowing right in my face. And so uh, I've got three of the big bulls pinpointed 
and it's like, man, we're just going to make some plays on these things. It's late morning, but they're bugling good. And then I had that bull that was bugling his head off the morning before that I didn't go for that then in the evening gave me the slip. So, you know, I know it's my last day. I'm going to be a bit more aggressive with them. I'm going to stalk them like a mule deer, you know, whether they're on their feet or they're in their beds, I'm just going to glass in front of me, move quietly in. So we start making our play at this first bull that's up the hill. We actually catch a five point uh, pass him, uh, like five point three cows uh, on the side hill. Pass him. Keep moving towards this good bull I can hear and um, working in, working in, and and um, man, it just goes quiet, you know. And then I can hear the the rocks kind of rolling, or uh, and it's like God, what the heck? And then I hear this weird bugle. I'm like, oh no. So there was some bros that had found these elk or heard them bugling and it worked up and, um, you know, here I am with a perfect win. They had worked up from the bottom chasing these elk, maybe from the side or who knows their game plan. It's public land. Good for these guys for putting in maximum effort and going after these bulls. But they spooked the biggest party of elk up there. I mean, you're talking four or five bulls like uh, three big herd bulls, like just going off and they spooked the whole lot of every elk out of this drainage, just, you know, absolutely going through the rocks, changing drainage, like just going for it. So it just worked up below them bugling or they'd give, give them their wind or who knows what went on, but um, they blew up the scenario. So I uh, didn't get a chance at any of them. And, you know, it's the way it goes. It's like, you know, guys are just going so hard nowadays. It's just like, I just want to know what their what their approach was or their thought was. It's like, God, coming up from the bottom with a horrible wind or, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I guess, you know, mistakes are made and I've made mistakes and, you know, you definitely don't want to blow it up for anybody else. I'd given guys space that morning, but obviously they took chase on those elk and followed them all day long and got to them or somebody else found them or whatever the case, but it blew up and I didn't get a chance at them. And so... That's my five days of hunting elk trying to film it. But, so, you know, the point of this podcast is not to tell you guys about my my losses. It's not to whine or not to complain. I know how tough bow hunting is, and I know that effort always pays off. And so this is a long season, and I really trust in the work that I put in. I trust in my skill set. I trust in my shooting. Like, the only thing I know to do in this scenario is to grind. So, you know, I've got a partial film built. I'll try to film the rest myself. I really can't afford another cameraman for elk season. Like, I've got a couple late-season muley tags, so... You know, it, it's been a, uh, you know, I didn't kill an early season mule deer, which there's not very many years that go by where I don't kill an early season mule deer, but I know what I need to change for next season. And it's like, you know, I can't just cry about it or I can't like be feeling sorry for myself. I can't doubt my skill set or, uh, you know, I can't doubt my, my hunting prowess. Like, man, I just got to grind. And this is really the, the, the best thing for me. It's like, you know, anytime I grind and I, I really work out a trophy and work really hard for it, like the more it means to me and it's like, good, you get a tough season. Good. This is how they go, man. These seasons are never like I plan it. So the only thing I know how to do after these three losses that I've taken on elk and deer is to keep after it. And elk season is a long season. I have till the 15th of October. We're only at the 18th now. Yes, I've got to work. Yes, I'm a weekend warrior that may add some days. But those days I do get, the evenings I do get, that I do get to go, I'm going to go super hard. Uh, I'm going to be studying my maps at night. I'm going to do everything in my power to arrow that big six-point bull I'm after. And so, like, like really, 
this is just like I'm sharing this because I think, you know, like like uh, elk success where I'm at in these general season units are single digit success. About 6% of bow hunters fill their tag with a bow. That's one in 20 guys or roughly one in 18 guys. And, and somehow I've been able to beat the odds year after year. And it's, it's not from giving in. It's not from giving up. It's not from feeling sorry for myself. It's to go out and grind and put maximum effort in and to come out on top of this season. So uh, I've taken some L's, but I've got a long season in front of me. I've got a lot more elk hunting to do. And yeah, I may need to solo film it to, um, you know, put a film together or whatever. Or I may have to ditch the camera altogether and arrow the big bull that I want and just, you know, deal with the consequences. Like at, at some point, like, you know, I just have to ditch the camera and go for it. So I'm not sure, you know, and anytime I, I say that or it, it seems like if I'm not totally committed to making the film, then I won't get it. But, you know, geez, I can stick a GoPro on me or I can um, pack my camera and try to get footage and uh, uh, catalog the hunt. And I can bring my camera and commit to this film like I really want to produce. So, like, it's it's not over. Like, if anything, this is just the beginning. And my season is long and I'm very fortunate. I have tags and opportunities and I do have late season hunts for muleys. And so, you know, I'm going to try to get the better of these muleys in the end. I'm going to try to kill my bull in the end. And so it didn't happen in my allotted time when I had a cameraman here to capture this amazing hunt. So be it. Like, that's elk season. It's a lot of these seasons all have 20 days into trying to kill a bull and I have five so far. So, you know, throughout my Western high, I did 10 days of uh, hunting goats. Of course, there was some travel in there, but yeah, 10 days there, eight days hunting mule deer, that's 18 days, five days hunting elk. Like, man, I got nothing to complain about, you know, another day hunting antelope, 20 some days of bow hunting. And, and so it didn't come together easier. I wasn't able to capitalize on a few of these opportunities. So be it. Like get my stuff together. Like I, I'm really in sync with the mountains. I'm making great reads on the wind. I'm making great plays on these things. They, you know, they just needed them to zigged and they zagged or they, you know, they haven't made the moves where I thought they were, you know, but keep playing these high percentage plays, keep theorizing, uh, keep trying to make good on my opportunities, keep my eyes behind my glass, uh, keep present in the locations that I'm hunting. If I've got to go to new areas, go to new areas, but just keep hunting hard like it comes together like uh, uh effort is rewarded in the bow hunting world so like that's the goal that's my plan and um that's what i'm gonna do so that's my season update so far is like taking some losses um haven't filled the tags or filled them with the animals that i wanted to fill yet and it's like good man um i get to grind and keep after it and that's the one thing i know how to do so um that's my plan that's where i'm at um, hopefully you guys are having a successful season, man. I've seen some great critters come through my feed and through text messages. So super pumped for you guys. It's an obvious testament to your hard work, dedication, and and um, uh, and, and time spent in the field. So good on you guys. Like keep after it. And if you're similar to me, like you haven't filled those tags, just keep putting forth that effort. And, um, you know, the, the time to work on our skill set is like in the off season. Like right now we have the skills that we have and the knowledge that we have. And all we can do is push our very hardest and grind. And, uh, I am very proud of my effort thus far. Like, uh, I have not taken the easy way, uh, at any turn, any opportunity I can gain, whether it's driving all night, whether it's hiking a million miles, whether it's climbing the next mountain I have done. 
uh, any play, any chance I can give myself, I've given myself. Like uh, I'm really playing great strategy and I'm bow hunting really well. And the truth of the matter is, is like, you know, it's tough to kill a mature herd bull. It's tough to kill a next level giant muley. And there definitely could have been animals that I've shot like that five by six or like the four point muley. You know, there's there's bucks and bulls I could have shot like, uh, you know, I'm trying to strive to to be better. And which means I'm setting these lofty goals of these big mature animals and uh, animals that get me excited to chase. And so that's what I'm going to do. And eventually my arrow will find its mark. So that's where I leave you guys. Thanks so much for the support of the podcast, trying to get you guys out some really good uh, listening for uh, all your drive time and your hunts this season. Uh, keep fired up. Keep putting in the effort, man. It pays off and uh, it'll pay off for me as well. So uh, thanks, you guys. And with that, I'll check in with you next week.